I was the only one responsible for the success of my business. So it's like, no one's going to do it for you. So you just keep your head down and just work. Just yes. do it. Life is too short for you not to go for your dreams. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Adesola Olutola, better known as Addy, the founder of Dianu, a ready-to-wear African print clothing brand that has taken fashion by storm. Fun fact, if you have seen any of my recent photos on Instagram, you have probably seen me in an outfit from Dianu. Whether it's the skirts or dresses, I just love the stretch of the fabric and the vibrancy of the prints because I like to stand out. I like to be bold and I don't usually do this, but after about four or five purchases from this brand, yes, I was a consumer, a customer of this brand for a while before I even began to look into it. But anyway, after about my fourth or fifth purchase, I became interested in the woman behind the brand. I was like, I need to find out more about this person. So we had a get to know you call. And after speaking to her for all of five minutes, I just knew I had to have her in the guest chair. So that brings us to today. Let me share a little bit more about Addie. Addie was born in Nigeria and moved to the U.S. with her family at the age of six. And as with most children new to a foreign environment, she struggled to fit into the American lifestyle with all the new foods and the vocabulary and the culture. And it was only as she grew older that she learned to accept and embrace herself and her African roots. While studying in undergrad, she solidified her life's goal of creating a successful business that would enable her to give back to the African community. It would take her many years to return to that vision, though. But after one fateful conversation with two fellow Nigerian friends, she decided to start an African-inspired clothing line. And so, Dianu was born in her little studio apartment. On today's episode, we will hear how Addie got started, how she differentiates her brand in a sea of competitors online, and how she is scaling her company. Okay, let's have a heart-to-heart. Let's talk about hiring for a second, because hiring is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And you have to go about it in a way that's smart. And you know what's not smart? Job boards that send you candidates that aren't even qualified for the role you posted. But you know what is smart? going to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle to hire the right person. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. And it has powerful matching technology that actually scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience, and then actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. And that's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand reviews. And right now, all Side Hustle Pro listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. So if you love this show, show your support and also check out ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash H-U-S-T-L-E. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
So welcome to the guest chair, Addie. Well, thank you so much for having me, Michaela. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. So I talked about in the intro how I've just been wearing your clothes from Dianu all last year, all this year. And I want to know more about the woman behind the brand. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for rocking our brand and representing it so well. Yes, it amazing. I love it. <laughs> so tell us now, you you were born in Nigeria, right? When did you come to the U.S. and how did that influence your upbringing? Right. So I was born in Nigeria and my family moved to the U.S. when I was six. And as far as my upbringing goes, it was quite a transition coming from Nigeria to the U.S. with the different foods, the culture, and just speaking as far as a different lingo. And it was it was quite of a, a difference in the beginning. And then you gradually get used to it. And unfortunately, you try to blend in. And it wasn't until I got older that I, I started appreciating my roots more which kind of really helped me like launch Dianu, which is a way for us to really touch and reconnect with our roots, our Af- African roots, and really represent what we're about without feeling ap- apologetic or, you know, trying to hold back. It just helps us to want to help like people like myself and et cetera, to be able to just express their culture, you know? Yeah. In, in a unique way. And I know that experience of trying to just, you know, come into this country and just trying to assimilate as fast as possible, lose that <laughs> accent. Exactly. <laughs> that was me, you know, coming from Jamaica at six. But and, and where which state did you guys settle in? We've always been in Pennsylvania. Actually. OK, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. But then you went to school, you went to college in Oklahoma. Correct. Yep. I was out there for four years for school. What was your original major and career path? What did you think you were going to be after graduation? You know what? As a new high school graduate going into college, I I don't think I knew 100% what I wanted to do, but I did know that I would eventually do something with business. So I chose international business as my major and my minor was French. But I just knew, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to do something with business. So that's why that was my my major in, in college. And then I eventually I wanted to work for, like, you know, a corporation and kind of learn the ropes that way. And I think uh, my mom tells me this. I, I told her I wanted to start a business, I guess, when I was in high school. but. <laughs> I don't remember really saying that, but I guess I must have had that in me earlier on. And yeah, so that was kind of like, I knew I would end up in business, but wasn't sure what capacity or what type of business. So you you don't even remember saying that. That's so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And were there any entrepreneurs in your family? Like, was this something that you had exposure to? Um. I guess yes and no. Like my parents, they both try to start businesses and never really took off. So like my dad, like he had like a bookstore and my mom, she tried to start like a a nursing agency, staffing agency, and it never really, she never really was able to get it going. And other than that, not so much. Now, 
you know, looking over your bio and just reading about you a little bit, I think it's so interesting that your first job coming out of college and then the fact that you worked in merchandising there at Pet Food Direct. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it seems so, okay, what does this have to do with your future business? I mean, of course, you didn't know it at the time, but looking back now, how did that job help you become the businesswoman that you are today? Oh, my gosh. Like It really, really has been helpful because, you know, when I was at that job, I under- it helped me understand how important it is to have inventory and manage your inventory really well as an online business, making sure that your inventory is accurate, that you're replenishing in time. Um, because especially as a new business, you don't, if you're not familiar with how business works, you don't realize how important it is to make sure like customers, when they visit the website, whatever is popular, like you're constantly making sure it's available, making sure, because because if it runs out, then that's it. Like people aren't able to buy your, your products. Mm-hmm. And then you also don't want to, upset customers by not making sure your inventory is accurate, uh, taking things, making sure that things are taken off offline when it's not available. And just that emphasis on creating good quality customer service. Uh, Because I know, especially Black businesses, we have this bad um, stereotype or stigma that we don't really perform well with customer service. So since the very beginning, I made that my priority to make sure that we were executing customer service very well as far as responding back to customers and being able to resolve issues and treating customers the way we would like to be treated as a customer, you know, knowing that, you know, that's what will build the relationship with customers so they keep coming back and engaging with us. Absolutely. That's so important. So important. Yeah. So I learned a lot about just making sure that your online presence is is accurate, that you're not pretending to sell something that is not there or, you know, just being as authentic as possible with uh, the online business and making sure that we're providing information to the customer because they're not able to see it in person touch it. So you want to make sure online info is as detailed as possible. So that was that was something else I learned as well. Now, while you were there, were you starting to think about starting your own business at all? What what did you do next? So while while I was there, I actually wanted to transition to the marketing department, but there there weren't any opportunities there at that company. So at that time, I also started pursuing my master's in international marketing. And I ended up leaving that company and working for, I started working for another company that was unrelated um, to online business. It was uh, like a lab supply company where I was a buyer and I was processing orders. I manage like vendor relationships between my company and various vendors. Actually, that that position also helped me as well 
because it helped me better keep track of multiple vendors that we need to work with and keeping communications, um, timely communication going back and forth if there are any issues that need to be resolved. And so that, it's funny, uh, that job also helped me later on when I launched my business as well. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like you're just, you know, looking back, like you're just slowly taking all these steps that are leading you to this ultimate entrepreneurship life. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely say so. I, I just, I truly do believe it was God leading me along the way to ultimately launching my own business, no doubt. And now when were the seeds for Dianu truly planted? And when did you start making moves towards creating this business? Yeah, so it was while I was at the, the last company called BWR International. It was um, in 2013. I had been there for, I think, two years and I had just finished my master's program. And at that time, I was looking for a marketing opportunity where I could utilize the skills I just acquired from my degree, my master's degree. And I wasn't able to find an opportunity because a lot of jobs required, uh, you know, two to three years experience and the marketing capacity, which I didn't have exactly at that time. So, and also at that time, I was reading this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a very popular book that kind of inspires people to want to take additional steps to make additional income. You know, just like you talk about the side hustle and things like that, that you're working on your own business, even though you're employed nine to five, you're also working on a side project that could possibly take over your nine to five if it takes off. So that's kind of what inspired me to start looking for an opportunity in where I can invest my time and efforts that I know it would yield um, rewards that would just be very long. Like it will be a legacy I can, I can leave, you know? So uh, while talking to one of my Nigerian friends, she, I told her like how I was looking for a business opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think I shared with her one idea I had and she was like, Oh, you know what? I was thinking about um, maybe sourcing African print fabric. We call it Ankara. And because she saw at Macy's that there was a dress that appeared to have been made out of that material. So her idea was to kind of resell the fabric, source it, and then sell it in the U.S. So then I was speaking to another friend and I was like, you know what? Why isn't there a ready-to-wear African-inspired clothing line where you can just go online You find some pieces that you like, you just order it right there and you receive it, you know, within a couple of days. You don't have to worry about buying the fabric, finding a tailor, waiting a couple of weeks to get it made. And then, you know, you can receive it. It can just be like any other clothing line. Exactly. I'm like, why not? (laughs) And so to me, it was just like, yeah, like, why isn't there such a thing? So I did my research. I looked on 
online to see if there were any clothing stores like this. And there were a few that were starting or trying to get up the ground, but nothing had really taken root, it seemed. And also on Facebook, there was different groups devoted to promoting African print wear, African print fashion. And a lot of the comments would be like, where can I buy this? And people will respond like, oh, I had my aunt in Ghana or in Nigeria, you know, make it for me or get someone to make it for me and send it over. And obviously not a lot of people have those types of connections. And it's also time consuming too, hoping that you can get someone to just make it for you. So my, my thought was to just create the convenience, the efficiency of getting things ready to made and standard size and just like any other clothing line and making it affordable also for anyone interested in trying to dress in this unique and yes. gorgeous way. Yeah, so that's really what got me started on launching Dianu. And the thing I love about Dianu is that, okay, so you touched on a few of the points, but Either when you want something that you see online, like African print dress, it's either, okay, I got to pay for shipping from Nigeria or Mm -hmm. I can just get the fabric Mm -hmm. and hope to find a tailor that can mimic this. Or it's like $500 (laughs) because they know supply and demand. (laughs) I can't get this easily. That is very true. What made you want to come in at the price point. Well, you know what? Let's back up for a second. Let's back up for a second. So now you have this idea. What were your next steps to start to source and get this these outfits made, these ready-to-wear items made? Yeah, so I um, originally I was going to work start the company with like three other people and end up just not working out. So I ended up just starting it on my own. And so I used research like where I can find material and I was able to find places um, to source from outside of the country to get at a better pricing. And I a lot of it is just you research. You just, just got to figure out where to get things done. So you started with Google. You were like, you know what? Yeah. Where can I find <laughs> fabric? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's the beauty of the age we're in. Mm-hmm. You can find a lot of resources online and learn a lot of things because I didn't have a fashion background. So I, a lot of the things I learned about creating a fashion business was just from searching, reading blogs or YouTube videos, or, and I also got books on starting a fashion company. Okay. Um, So, and then as far as manufacturing goes, so I sourced the material from overseas and then I found, thankfully, where I'm located outside of Philadelphia, like Philly is still kind of like um, a manufacturing, clothing manufacturing hub. Maybe not, I'm sure back in the day it was much more, but there's still a few manufacturers in Philly. So I was able to find a company that could make our clothing for us. And then as far as designing goes, I had to create a Craigslist ad and find a local um, fashion designer 
who, wow. go, who went to school. Craigslist. Craigslist <laughs> came came through for me. Yes. <laughs> so I was able to find someone who went to school for like creating, you know, fashion and because with clothing manufacturing, you start off with like patterns mm-hmm. to make the clothing. And after the pattern is made for that particular garment, then it's then graded into different sizes. So I the the designer, she would make the initial sample and the patterns. And I found a local grader who could digitally grade the, the garments into the bigger sizes. Um, and then it would then be sent to a local company that would cut the fabric. And then another local company will sew it together. Then I'll pick it up from them. Oh, so, man. Yeah, so it was quite it's quite a process and it's um it was all like learn. Like I just had to figure it out and just find the right people to help make it happen. Now, when did you say when did you formalize this company and and what were the first steps you took there? Did you say, Okay, I, I need to trademark this, I need to um get, you know, open a LLC? What right. happened? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first um thought this was a viable idea. And initially, I was going to start with like three other people and they kind of backed out because um, at that time I was like so fed up with my job. And I was like, I need to start something ASAP. So I right away, I actually created a business plan. And I think that's something that a lot of new companies, they don't think about or maybe not a lot of new companies, but some people, they jump into it without actually starting creating a plan beforehand. Yeah. And that really made a difference, I would say, for how I started the company. Because I used formalize like some of the goals I wanted to reach. I formalized like my marketing strategy. I formalized like how the clothing would be made, the certain price points. And what did you use as a template for that? Did you just Google how to write a business plan or, or were you just writing down all of your thoughts yourself on a blank blank sheet, uh, Microsoft oh, Word? Oh, I just Googled um, a template for a business plan. That's, like I said, the beauty of the Google and awesome. the age we live in. Yep. You can find all types of resources online. So I found a template that I just downloaded and then edited to what my business plan would be. And so that's set, that was really a guideline for what I wanted to do. And another thing that helped me was I created uh, like a planning, what would I call it? Like phase one, like the steps I needed to take for phase one, phase, a rollout plan. phase two. Yeah. So that really helped me as well because I was able to list every single step I needed to take. So one of the first few steps was like, and a lot, some of them were done in tandem with each other. Like, so like being able to come up with a name for the company and then a company logo and then getting the LLC done. Mm-hmm. And that was actually done online as well. I used um, one of those online companies that you can create LLCs with. Okay. And what else? Because at that time, like I, and that, another reason for the, uh, for the business plan is setting like your budget, like how much you would is needed to invest into making this happen. So that helped me with that. And were you still doing this all by yourself at this point? Or were you working with, um, you starting to work, pull in friends or family? 
No, I did everything myself. Wow. Like I didn't have, yeah, no one really helped me for when I first started for up until like a year and a half, actually, that I was into it. So I listed like the steps, like creating an LLC and then of course, getting my um, website name. What do we call it? Your Register. domain name. <laughs> domain name. Exactly. Yeah. The do- domain name. And with the domain name, it was funny because initially I wanted the company name to be Yanu, which is my middle name, which means miracle. Uh-huh. And uh, Yanu.com, I would have needed to buy that domain name for like $15,000. <laughs> so I um, went ahead and added the D. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean anything with the D in front of it? Yeah, so that's how I end up adding the D apostrophe, and the D apostrophe means of or from, okay, in French. Okay, so it was kind of like combining, and then Yanu is Yoruba, uh, a Nigerian language. It means, and Yanu means miracle or wonderful. So it was like of or from a miracle or something wonderful. So that's how I, I loosely translate the meaning of. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And or from me, because it's it's also my middle name as well. And yeah, so those were some of the first steps I did. And I think it's super important to just chart out a plan and also chart out the all the steps needed and setting a budget for what will be needed to or investment. You know, you need to invest in making the business come to life. And at this point, okay, what are you doing to fuel this business? How are you pouring cash into things like your domain and hiring a designer? Are you side hustling at this point? Yeah, so I had to just get money from my savings, from my, oh, the major loan. Like I took a credit card loan, I guess, that that was probably what fueled or that's what I used primarily to finance the company in the beginning. And it was one of those credit cards where you were paying, it was 0% APR for the first 12 months. So I knew that if I just made the minimum payments, I was fine for a year. Yeah, that's what it was. So it was, it was definitely um, a risk and um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a risk. That was risky. Now everyone's going to get this credit card debt. Talk about they heard it on Style Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed with caution, you guys. <laughs> I know, I know. You just have to be very, yeah, you, you can't just enter into it anyhow. But, you know, when you're like, you want to really make something happen, you will take some risks yeah. along the way. And it was one of the risks I took that actually ended up paying off, thankfully, because yeah. Otherwise, I'm not sure how I would have financed the company in the beginning. I wouldn't have had other means to do it. Now, when did you start making sales? How did you how did you market so that people knew this was out there and, you know, start making that money back? Right. So it was so funny because so when I launched officially, I started working on the business beginning like March 2013. And then I officially launched January 20. 14. Mm-hmm. So when I launched, prior to launching, I started g- gathering like emails 
um, promoting, like when, before my website went live, I had it set up so you could, I could collect customer emails that way. So when I did launch, I would have some people to market to. So that's very important for new businesses that while they're still working on their pre-launch mm-hmm. plans to start building up like a following. Even I already launched like my Instagram and Facebook page and started just building up a following that way. Um, and then by the time I did launch, I had a couple of emails, I think maybe a little under a hundred emails to at least market to and send out like a promotion, like just launched free shipping, you know, for the first few days. Um, and then from there, it really was a hustle because, you know, with a new company, I was still trying to figure out the best way to reach my ideal target market. So at that time, I was still working full time and then working on my business on the side. So I had like my own website. I was on Etsy. I mm-hmm. was on Amazon. I was on eBay. And so it was helpful in the beginning because I, I was making more sales from like the other channels and not so much like my own website. Yeah. So especially with Etsy, Etsy was a really good platform. So was eBay actually at that time. And like at night, that's when I would pack orders and like ship it out the next day, like at work. Um, So then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, in order for me to actually make my business go and grow, I need to actually quit my full-time job and focus full-time on Dianu. And at that time, my business was not profitable. Uh, I could not have sustained myself through it. But I just felt that my job at the time was making me a bit miserable. Mm-hmm. Not a bit. I was miserable. <laughs> I was miserable. Let's just be honest. Okay. <laughs> I know. It wasn't just a little bit. Right. but. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. No one ever told me when I started side hustling that I would need to be my own web designer, my own email marketing guru, my own social media manager, you name it. Luckily, I found Skillshare and now I'm able to learn all of these new skills every single day to help me in my business and to keep me on point. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators like me and you. It has over 25,000 classes in subjects like blogging, like social media marketing and advertising, web design, and now even podcasting. That's right. I recently created the How to Start Your Own Podcast course on Skillshare so you can learn all of my secrets, how to get started as a podcaster, plus so much more. And huge thanks to Skillshare for having a special offer just for Side Hustle Pro listeners. You can get two months of unlimited access to Skillshare for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro. That's Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro. One more time, that is Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro. But then how, how, how did you plan to sustain yourself? I know you had to at least have, was it like, okay, take out a little bit more on the credit cards and, and work to get it profitable? Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I had to cash out my 401k and use that money to pay like my bills. Cause I was living 
at my studio apartment at the time. So I'd pay like my bills and just sustain myself really. And just that's because, real. yeah. So that's what I had to do. I had to cash out my 401k plan and pay, use that for my maintenance. And then at what point did it start uh, to pay off? Now you launched in 2014. Um, right. I will admit, I, I hadn't heard about it until 2018. So, right. and, and that was because of Black Panther when everyone was scrambling right. to get their looks together. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the the journey with the business. Yeah, so... By the end, that means there's still a lot more audience for us to cover. Yes, That's what yes, I'm hearing. <laughs> yes, yes. So by the end of 2015, so initially I was doing a lot of like events, like locally and also some in New York. So like pop-up shops or festival type setups. And then I was also thinking about like marketing to like boutiques. But then I realized that there was still a lot of opportunity online to be tapped into. It was just a matter of trying to figure out how to reach those people. And I saw an ad on Facebook for this course for Facebook ad marketing or just Facebook ads, mar- yeah, Facebook ad marketing. And I signed up for it and for like a webinar. And that, I ended up signing up for the course. And that course is actually what changed like the outlook for Dianu at that time, because I was able to understand how to use Facebook to reach my ideal target market and then go from there. So literally after I implemented some of the course work, I was able to become profitable by like October. October is when I started, it started taking off October, 2014. October, November, December were my three biggest months that year. And then it grew from there that by the beginning of 2015, by March, I had moved into like an office space and I now hired my first person in April of 2015. And yeah. Yeah, thank you. And that's when it, it, it took off, like literally from... Facebook ads like, and targeting people that are most likely to purchase and are mo- your ideal customers. I love that. I talk about a lot of that, finding your ideal customer, finding your target customer in my Market the Gram, Master the Gram course, because it's so, so important to understand that who you're talking to, right? I mean, if you were just trying to talk to everybody and not understanding that there are people who love anything, all things Africa, right? Like there's someone out there that wants to show up and and go to every single event in some African print if possible. <laughs> Just live it, live it, breathe it. So that's who you're trying to target. Um, how did you know though, as you were developing your line, how much inventory, how many different designs to make so that you were not stuck with a lot of inventory and, mm-hmm. and when to restock and all of that? Yeah, so... That is a good question because in the beginning, a lot of people are tempted to like launch a whole line of products, like mm-hmm. just like to make it look like you're a bigger company than you are. But in the beginning, it's actually smart to start off small and gradually grow from there because you don't know the market as as much. Right. So when I launched, I had I launched like I think seven pieces. It was like 
two dresses and three types of skirts, um, a shirt, a top. Yeah, it was like six or seven garments. And I was, and it was funny because out of those six or seven, only like maybe three were like bestsellers that did really well. So imagine if I launched much more, I would have been like, I would have sat down with a lot of inventory, sat with a lot of inventory. But I um, eventually, like, I just had to discount the slower sellers and then just make more of like the faster sellers. At the time, skirts was just like supreme as far as like maxi skirts, new end skirts, the full skirts and um, just making different prints of that and you just learn like what sells and you just make more of it really and branch out from there. Okay. And as far as replenishment, um, from my online job at the pet store, I learned how to kind of forecast sales through some formulas. So that's what helped me figure out like how much inventory I wanted to hold on to at a given time and yeah, plan according to that. Cause at that point, as we started growing, like the business was self-fueled. Like it was just money generated from sales that was being put back into the business to continue the growth. And did you continue to sell on like Etsy and what was the other other platforms? And other platforms or did you just pull it and it's completely through the Dianu website now? Um, I continued to sell on Etsy off and on, like maybe overstock items you would sell on Etsy. Um, and eBay only like when there's, we haven't sold on eBay this year, but on and off on eBay as well. Only, but only for stuff that like, we just want to get rid of. Um, but most of our our new stuff and bestsellers are only on Dianu. That's a good approach. Yeah. Like I I never thought of that getting rid of, you know, just excess inventory via Etsy and those other websites. Yeah, so that's been our strategy right now. But at this very moment, the only other platform we use is Etsy. Cool. And now, you know, this all sounds, you sound very level-headed, very calm, like you were just putting one foot in front of the other and were (laughs) convinced that this was going to work. But were there ever any mental or physical roadblocks where you felt like giving up? And what were they and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a good question because... I mean, when you're on your own starting a business, it is definitely tough. It's mentally tough and draining. And you just have to be very, very, very focused. But one thing that really helped me was just listening to like motivational speakers and reading stories from other people who have been able to successfully start their business. Because the truth of the matter is with any type of business, the beginning is always rocky. Like it doesn't even matter what type of business it is, it's it's not going to be straightforward. And to think so would be naive. Yeah. So you have to just like kind of encourage yourself and believe that it is possible. You know, some of the motivational speakers I listen to and still listen to to this day is like Les Brown, Tony Robbins, um, Jim Rohn, who was no longer alive, but I still listen to some of his uh, is lectures, but being just keeping your mind in a positive state, even when things just appear to be going sideways, 
keeping your focus on like your ultimate goal, your ultimate plan, and just put it in your mind that you just won't give up. Even if you have to take like a, you know, a side step or it may not be go according to the exact plan that you had in mind. Because when I first started, I thought like I would try to get into boutiques and stores. That would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. But then I figured out that was that probably wasn't the best strategy to really focus online and just ha- being knowing when to like stop doing things that aren't working and focus on what works is also a good way to approach things. Uh, so that wisdom to just keep trying different things and then focus on what really, really works is what really helps out um, starting out entrepreneurs. Okay. And what went wrong along this path? So what went wrong? I, I don't know if I could say something. I mean, there were all always things that needed to be resolved. So I always just rise up to the challenge of figuring out what to do. But as far as like what went wrong, I mean, there are times when, you know, I got fabric that wasn't good quality and I just had to figure out something else to do with it or just sell it for a discounted price online. Mm. Um, you know, things went wrong, but like my mind works in such a way of like, I have to figure out a solution that I don't think about I don't get stuck in like what went wrong per se. That's a good. But, one. That's a good outlook. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what you have to be like as an entrepreneur. You have to figure out like you're constantly trying to figure things out. Like that's like the life of an entrepreneur. You're you just have to because you will stay stuck mm-hmm. otherwise. Speaking of the fabric, one of the things that stood out to me about Dianu was this. It's kind of stretch. It has give it, it, and it's forgiving. And when you see a lot of fabric, it's usually a stiffer wax fabric. Um, right. Did you do that intentionally? Is that kind of like your competitive edge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we sell most of our stuff online, so we understand that. You know, as Black women, we are shapely, and we need something that has stretch. So we wanted to find fabric that would accommodate that, um, especially since, as you mentioned, Ankara doesn't have any stretch. And it's we understood that it's the vibrancy and the richness of the color that really appeals to people, not and the fabric itself as, as well. And we continue to use Ankara for certain styles that don't require as much stretch and give. Um, but we understood that, like, if we can make, find a quality material with the vibrant prints and print on it, that it would still be a good fit for our customers. Mm. So we wanted to solve that issue where we weren't, because at that time, before we launched the, the our Ana fabric collection, we were very boxed in as far as what types of designs we could make for women. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to only make styles that, weren't too form-fitted they were you know gathered skirts or they they just couldn't be too fitted because otherwise you will probably run into fit issues with customers um so that's what propelled us to look for that type of material that could help us solve that problem with our customers all right so you mentioned that you're profitable 
What were the first things you invested back into the business and how are you looking at growth? Yeah. So as far as investments, I mean, investing into um, hiring people, of course, you know, as the company grows, you need more help Uh, hiring and then investing into making sure quality is prioritized always. Um, We also invested into like right now we just moved into a bigger location. Okay. So we now have like a bigger warehouse for our inventory and offices and just like investment to researching new types of designs, new types of material. And actually we're currently working on another material right now that will be more similar to the Ankara, but it would have stretch. Like it would be more of a woven type of material, but with stretch. So I'm excited. excited. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I think our customers will really like this because it like mimics the Ankara, but it has stretch. And it's so important because sometimes stuff fits your waist, but not other places. And it's so frustrating. Right. So we are really excited because I know with our stretch knit material, some people loved it. Some people were like, "Uh, I don't know. So we're research- we found another type of material that I think will be a better fit, perhaps, for our okay. customers. And when people said, when, you know, you get that feedback, how are, how are you sourcing feedback from your customers? That's great that you're listening. Yeah, so we have our reviews app that uh, customers can fill. They get an email after two weeks after their purchase is, is made. Okay. And they just give us feedback if they love their product, if they don't like it, why they don't like it. So we definitely get a lot of information that way from customers. That, and it's really been helpful. So what's next besides the new fabric coming down the line? What's next for Dianu and for 2019 and beyond? Good, good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... Hopefully by 2019, we should be launching a physical location in Philly Okay, to start off with. And because, you know, people view online shopping as convenient, but there are still people who aren't as comfortable or they would like to see it in person first Mm -hmm. and interact. So we figured we can create some type of synergy between online and offline and make it, you know, they can coexist together that way. So that's something that we're thinking about for 2019. And aside from that, we're just expanding our, especially men's line because the men have not gotten much love from, I guess, other brands really, because it seems that we're one of the main brands that provides African-inspired clothing for men. Okay. And so we're just looking to see how we can better expand their line. And we have done so this year, actually, but even more. Okay. Well, I'm excited to be twinning with hubby. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. All right. Now we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. I'm ready. Okay. Cool. Just answer (laughs) the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Number one. What is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? 
I would say, I mean, as I mentioned, Facebook ads has been, was helpful. And the course I took was from a lady called Amy Porterfield. Oh yeah. We love Amy on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. So she, it was actually her course that I took back in 2014 that helped me learn more about Facebook ad creation and get it going. Now, number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you have consumed recently? Um, recently, gosh, I've been so busy that I, I wish I would say like I've been more in tune with acquiring more information. But earlier this year, I did read The E-Myth Revisited. It's just a book about how entrepreneurs should start thinking more professionally about their business, how they, it needs to be structured, especially when they start to hire employees, how they need to communicate with um, the employees, the standards of the business. And in turn, those employees will then take care of customers the way you would like them to, instead of it being left to chance. Like there's more of like a, standardization in and protocol in approaching a business and making sure it's it's structured properly really okay yeah number three who is a black woman entrepreneur besides oprah that you would want to trade places with and why oh that's a good question um you know what recently i did see the what is her name She's the owner of The Main Choice. Uh, Courtney Adelaide. Yes. So I really do admire her and what she's been able to achieve with her business. Absolutely. And all that she's... And she's also someone who gives back to the community and just tries to be a a good example of a female entrepreneur. And I I admire that about her. So I think she she came to mind right away because I saw her something about her earlier today and um yeah all right okay number four what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business uh i would say just being consistent and focused being able to just keep going you know when when the going gets tough just because with me i i don't operate well under stress so the way I combat that is I just do what needs to be done because when I'm not doing what I need to do, then I feel stressed. So like, just don't procrastinate. Um, just do what needs to be done and just, just do it. Yeah. You're <laughs> speaking to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because, because yeah. especially when in the beginning, when it's just you, like no one, like I, I was the only one responsible for, the success of my business. So it's like, no one's going to do it for you. So you just keep your head down and just work. Just do it. Yeah. And finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who have that vision, want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing their steady paycheck? Yeah, that's really tough. Um, Especially depending on where you're at with your family and et cetera. But I mean, my what pushed me forward was just the thought that, you know, life is too short to be 
miserable at a job you hate, one, and you don't want to live with any regrets. So whatever you got to do, if you have a vision, if you have an idea in mind, just do it. I mean, it could fail. I mean, and then the the way that I also combated like the fear of failure was just thinking like, what is the worst case scenario of what could happen if this business doesn't work? So I had to ask myself that question when it was just me and I just taken out my 401k money and it was like sink or swim, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know what? The worst case that could happen is I lose all the money and then I have to like move in with my parent and then look for another job. So I'm like, you know what? If that's the worst case scenario, I will be okay. Like, it's fine. Like, I can survive that. So just looking fear in the, in the eye and like asking yourself, like, is this going to, you know, be the end of me if this fails? And if it's not, then go for it because life is too short for you not to go for your dreams and live in half of your life um, just unfulfilled. It's not, it's not exciting and it's not, to me, it's not worth it, you know? Yeah. So might as well just go for it because you only have one life. Just do it. All right. And on that note, what is the best way for people to connect with you and Dianu after this episode? Yeah. So the website is Dianu.com. That's www.diyanu.com. That's our website. And you can also find us on Facebook um, at Dianu Fashion and also on Instagram at Dianu. And so if you send, you can send us a message through those platforms. And also you can email us at info at Deanna.com. And my customer service team can forward any e- email to me so that I see them. But yeah, those are being ways to reach us. Thank you. Very generous of you. All right, guys. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.